0: And it has since we were uh, finishing up Genesis chapter 17, but we're, we're here back, uh, starting here. And uh, I think the Lord has saved this one just for this week, uh, some things that he's helped me with in my life, and uh, that I, thought, I hope that it will be a help to you as well. Uh, but let's go and stand together. We see Abraham, he just recently had a name change from Abram to Abraham, and we see this man chosen by God out of a pagan city. Uh, in in the midst of many unbelievers that God chose to be the father of many nations. And he made a covenant with him where he said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee and and that he was going to take care of him and that he would have have children and many would would come from him. And we see a lot of testing happening to then Abram in his life and all that was there. They were getting older, his wife was barren, there were no children. There were many times where they didn't trust God for a little while made a decision to, to flee the promised land and to go to Egypt. That didn't turn out uh, too good for them, but God protected them and then blessed them even in that mistake that was made. And, and we see decision after decision uh, similar to that where finally we see his faith that had grown to a certain point uh, to where he is trusting God and in the place that God would have him to be. And we look here at Genesis chapter 18, and I'm thankful that we have a God who keeps his promises. And he didn't just keep promises for Abraham anything that he has given us in his word he will do it said god we have a god who cannot lie and i'm thankful for that but let's look here beginning of the chapter we're going to do the whole chapter together tonight but we'll begin reading here in verse one it says and the lord appeared unto him in the plains of mamre and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day and he lifted up his eyes and looked and lo three men stood by him and when he saw them he ran to meet them from the tent door And bowed himself toward the ground, and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abram hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetch a calf tender and good, and gave gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and a calf, which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. We're going to stop reading there tonight, but I, there's some things I want us to look at together tonight on true fellowship with God. True fellowship with God and what it looks like. Let's pray, Lord, we love you. God, I got to thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, for the life of Abraham. Lord, all that you have for us through it, Lord, we need you tonight. Lord, we've had a lot of things going on already this week, a lot of distractions, a busyness at work or with family, different responsibilities we may have. But, Lord, tonight we're sitting here in our church building, Lord, with a desire, Lord, to uh, Lord, get wh- exactly what you have for us from the Bible tonight. I pray that you'd open our hearts and minds, Lord, remove any distractions. Uh, Lord, I pray that there's any sin in any, in any hearts tonight, Lord, that it will right now just be given over to you, Lord, so we can receive your engrafted word tonight. Lord, be with me as I preach, but I need you. Let me say what you have me to say. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We look here in Genesis chapter 18 at this special time in, in the life of Abraham where he had a true interaction with God. And there's three different things that we see here in this chapter that that Abraham did, some aspects of this fellowship that we can all be helped with tonight. And the first thing we see is that Abraham served hospitably. A- Abraham was a, a man who served. If we look here in verse 1, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw him, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. So in the middle of the day, he's sitting there in the, in, in the edge of the tent and trying to be cooled off staying out of the sun he's resting and three men come walking through the wilderness there and as he sees them from the house he runs and meets them and greets them and welcomes them into the house and we look here in verse one and we know that these were not just three ordinary men it says the Lord appeared unto him there in verse one so one of those men was God in the flesh coming to meet Abraham the other two were angels and and we look here Abraham had a rare opportunity to talk in person, to God. What we would call this in the theology realm a theophany. God visited him in, in human form. Abraham was able to fellowship with God, and he, I, I don't believe that he knew it at the beginning, but we, we look here, he didn't exactly know who they were. What he knew was they were men that were walking in the wilderness, they needed some help, they needed some uh, rest, some comfort, some food, and he was ready to do whatever he could to, to deliver that to them. He noticed something special about these visitors and he began rushing and hurrying and trying to get everything ready as soon as he saw them and he welcomed them with, with, with great hospitality. We you look in verse two, he lift up his eyes and, and it, it says there, when he saw them, he ran, he bowed himself toward the ground. He was all theirs. So his gr- greatest desire at that moment was to encourage them and offer them some help. Then invited them in in verse three and four. For a rest, he, he washed their feet. He asked them if they could stay for a little while and have a, have a meal prepared. And, and guests were very rare in this time. And he was at work trying to supply every single need that he had. I want to remind you tonight that Abraham was 100 years old. We have a 100 year old man here that is running out to meet people. When I'm 100, people can come to me, okay? <laughs> we see him running from place to place trying to gather all these things together telling his wife to, to get these certain things ready having, uh, going getting a, a calf killed having a young man get everything ready for that he was running crazy trying to get everything ready when all was ready Abraham served the bread with the butter, the milk and, and I bet they had brisket there You know, with them rushing it as they did probably not as good as Brother Gerald's but I'm sure it did, it did well for them at the time Sitting there in the shade under the tree. What a servant. You know, God is looking for the same servant heart in every one of his children. And we look at Abraham serving his, his God in this way. He served with his best. E- even when they came unexpectedly, he gave them everything that he had. He, he gave them all the energy that he had in his 100-year-old body. The Lord deserves the best service that we could give him, doesn't he? And when we, we serve God, regardless of how big the task or regardless of how little the task is, we need to do our best to recognize who we are serving. We should seek to do the best possible job we could for our Savior. Now the Bible tells us in the book of Colossians chapter 3, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You know, as we do things for as we do things in ministry here at the church, we are. I want to remind you: none of the things that we are doing are, are simply just for for people. We spoke about that a little bit on Sunday night. Our service is not to be not to need to be motivated just simply out of love for others. Even though we are commanded to love others, our service should be motivated by our love for God. And so, every single act of ministry we do, every single person you may help, we don't just simply do it for that person. We do it in service to our God, with everything that we have. And we look at Abraham, he not only gave his all in this this service, but he was also sacrificial in the service that he gave. Being willing to sacrifice or make sacrifices for our God shows that we truly have a servant's heart and, and it could be time that we give to God. It could be us volunteering some time that we have to serve in a certain capacity. It could be uh, money that we, that we are serving with or giving to the furtherance of the ministry. It could be a talent that God has blessed us with. And if God has given us certain talents, he expects us to use those for his honor and his glory. Whatever it is, is not for other people. It is for our God above anything else. The greatest sacrifice that any of us could offer is ourself. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your, what, bodies, a living sacrifice. That's how we are to live. Every single day of our life, sacrificially serving. I want to ask, has anybody in here ever heard of a city called North Platte, Nebraska? Anybody? Anybody? Nobody's ever heard of it, so nobody's ever been there. Ten days after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, there were residents in this little town of North Platte, Nebraska that heard a rumor that the soldiers from their town, part of the Nebraska National Guard, were going to be passing through on the train in their city, on their way to the West Coast to go and serve our country as as many, many uh, young men did in that day. About 500 people hearing this rumor, they got everything together and they showed up at the train station. With, with food and gifts and letters and, and different acts of love and service to do for the soldiers. They're all excited, they're looking forward to seeing loved ones and people that they, they cared about and, and, and wanted to just be an encouragement to before they were sent off, willing to give their lives for our country. And, and when the train showed up, it, it was not the Nat, Nebraska National Guard that showed up, it was the National Guard from Kansas. And these North Platte residents, even though I'm sure they were disappointed, they, they saw these other young men were very much like their own that they loved and cared about and, and with that same genuine heart of devotion they had for their own people, they gave all of those gifts and all those things that they had together to these young men they 'd never met before in their life. A few days later, there was this twenty six year old young woman named Ray Wilson, and she wrote a letter to the editor there in North Platte nebraska and she Just wanted to thank the town for everybody coming together as they did. And she talked about all the different things that that everybody was doing to help these young men. The smiles on their faces and and just was thankful for everybody's part in it. And then she suggested that the, the town would organize a canteen. And they said, we did it for this regiment from Kansas. We could probably do it for other regiments that come through. And having no idea how big it could possibly be, just saying, you know what, if you would like to volunteer and we could have a a canteen, a place where we store all these things so we can be ready, that would be a wonderful idea. The mayor of the town heard this, and he began to get involved. And for four and a half years, the people of North Platte and the surrounding communities would get together in every single troop train that passed through North Platte, that came through would receive sandwiches and cookies and, and drinks and, and letters and snacks and, and, and different gifts. Even, they even had a stash of birthday cakes uh, frozen and ready for any soldiers whose birthdays were, were that week that they could honor and, and just be an encouragement to. And, and, and they did this many times, four or five days in a week, and, and as many as 8,000 would come through at one time. By the time the last train arrived in 1946, six million soldiers were blessed by this little town of North Platte, Nebraska. 45,000 volunteers in the, in the, in the state of Nebraska had served faithfully and, until the war was over. That was people who had a love for their country and were moved to do something. You know, I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the patriotism behind that, and I would hope we would desire to, to encourage people in the same way. But if people would do that out of love for country, what should we be doing out of love for God? If we are willing to, if people are willing to do that for people they've they've never met, what are we willing to do for the one who died to save our souls? The one that created us for his pleasure. We look at Abraham and we see this great heart of service to, to three men that he didn't even know. One of them was God, and he's going to find that out later. But we see this, this commitment to service. And are we committed to service? And not, and not just serve and give it our best, but willing to serve sacrificially. Abraham served in, in this communion with God. The second thing he did in his relationship with God and this fellowship with God, he not only served, secondly, Abraham listened. He listened. Look at verse 9, it says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? We, we, see another, we see some more talking here going on, verse 13. The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear this child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. You know, he listened, first of all, pertaining to the will of God. This, this unknown guest that he had suddenly asked Abraham, where is Sarah thy wife? And if, and if I welcomed three men into the house that I'd never met before, and then I, I, they asked me a question about my wife whom they hadn't seen before, she was in another tent, she was in another place in the property, I'd be a little concerned at what was going on here. I'd be like, I, I would wonder how do they know, that not just that I have a wife, but the name of my wife. She remained in the tent, and he must have wondered how, how these guests knew her. Who are these men? Why are they here? Where have they come from? But as, as these guests were here, and as God, who it was that was speaking to Abraham, spoke, Abraham listened, and God told him that Sarah was going to have a son, another reminder of the promise of God. Are you thankful tonight that God is a promise keeper? God had given this promise repeatedly unto him. We, we can look through the book of Genesis there and the story of Abraham. This isn't the first, the second, the third time Abraham has, has been told that he was going to be the father of many nations. Just look back one chapter, chapter 17, verse 17. It says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? He was laughing out of joy thinking, you know, you said it, I believe it, but this is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. And now from these men, these visitors, he's hearing it again. You know, when we are in the habit of listening to God, God often gives us exactly what we need in that moment. But often we don't get what we need. And it's not because God isn't speaking. It's not because His words aren't there available to us. It's because we aren't listening as we should. I read this, this story of, of Franklin Roosevelt. He, uh, often had to go as many presidents would. They'd stand in these long lines as people would come through and they're in the White House. And he would always complain afterwards. He, he says, this is just formalities. Nobody ever listens to anything I say. They're just excited to say hi and they, and they move on. And one day during the reception of many people, he decided that he was going to try an experiment. Because they don't listen to what I say, so I'm going to say some crazy things. And so all these people that, that came through, to everyone that shook his hand, he looked at them with a smile and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. That's what our president said to the people that came through to shake his hand. And the guests would respond as he would shake their hand and he would say that phrase. They would say, that is wonderful. They'd say, marvelous. They would say, keep up the good work. We are proud of you. God bless you. They said many different things like that as he told this story. It wasn't until he got to the end of the line while he was greeting an ambassador from Bolivia that as he looked at this ambassador and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning, the ambassador leaned in to his ear and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. You know, Sometimes we're guilty of not listening when people are talking, aren't we? We often do the same with other people. But we also often do it when God is speaking, don't we? I want to encourage you: When God speaks, listen. When you're when you're in your Bible and you're and you are reading, you are you are reading the words of God. Listen. When you're in church, listen. You know how much how much help and encouragement have we missed out on in our life because we are tired, or we are putting ourselves and we're not putting ourselves in a position to hear what it is that God would have us to hear. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm not just talking about. Bible reading, there's many opportunities where God has something for us to hear or God is, is prompting us to do something and we don't listen as we should. Is our faith weak? Is it causing many of the words that God has for us to go in one ear and out the other? And we look at Abraham here, by everything we see from him, we know that Abraham, as this truth, as this promise was given to him again as a reminder, he received it with joy. He, he, didn't, he didn't blink an eye at it. He just listened. He believed it. He was encouraged by it. We see a little bit of a different reaction from Sarah, don't we? Sarah was in in a tent not too far away from the tent door. She heard this prediction. We understand. We looked in verse 11. They were both old. In the last chapter, Abraham was 100. She was 90. She's now physically unable to conceive or to deliver a child. And, and, and then she laughs in her heart at the thought of having a child in her old age. Thinking, yeah, right. Kind of reminds me of uh, 2 Kings chapter 7 when, when those men, when, when Elijah said that God was going to, in one day's time, take them from being in a famine to having more food than they can ever handle. And what do they say? If God would open up the windows of heaven, shall this thing be? Remember that. Sarah hears this and she just finds it funny because there is no way, there's no possibility of this happening. She didn't believe it. And as she's in the other side of the tent, outside the door of the tent, they couldn't hear her. She could hear them. Look at verse 13. It gets a little awkward here. And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? (laughs) You're listening to me, but she just finds this funny. She thinks this is ridiculous. Then he says, is anything too hard for the Lord there in verse 14, at the time appointed I will return unto thee according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. It doesn't matter what we think is possible in our flesh. If God speaks, we need to listen. It doesn't matter what qualifications we think we have or what abilities we think we we can do or or how easy certain things are that god may prompt us to do no matter what our flesh may think about it or matter what no matter what our human mind may think about it if god has instructed us to do something we need to listen because his ways are not like our ways often his ways are much better and it doesn't our the, the things that god commands us to do do not have to make sense to our logic to be possible We just need to trust him at his word, don't we? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then what does it say? And lean not unto thine own understanding. Because many things that God has us to do really don't make sense to us. Many things that he's instructed us to do, we we don't understand a a way to do that or, or how we could possibly see fruit or anything good come from it. But it's not up to us to decide that. It's up to God. In verse 6 of that chapter, he says, In all thy ways acknowledge him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Not just what we want or what makes sense to us, but to do what it is that God has us to do in his way. To acknowledge what it is he wants us to do. And Sarah laughed. And then they, they ask her, did she laugh? And in verse 15, Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And then he says, no, you laughed. (laughs) Did you know God knows everything about you? God knows your thoughts. God knows the desires of your heart. We can't hide anything from him. Uh, Psalm 139 verse 1, it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. God knows you. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Even when we don't speak, God knows what we think. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. But knowing the thoughts and intents of your heart, he also has a plan for each and every one of us. And not only does he have a plan for you, but he has the unlimited ability to help his plan be accomplished. So understanding, if God has something for us, if God is speaking to us, if God is directing us, or if God is saying no to something we want or saying yes to something we don't want, whatever it is, he is enough. And instead of coming to our own way of thinking or or our own conclusions, we just need to listen when God speaks. We need to listen concerning God's will and God's commands for our lives. But secondly, we not only listen to his commands, second thing, listen to his warnings. You know, these three guests, as we continue in this chapter, they, they rose up to leave and they, they looked toward Sodom there in the valley, not too far from where they were. And God began to speak there in verse 17 to the angels that were with him. It says, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it. I believe Abraham heard what was going on here and then God began to speak to Abraham. He says, something's about to happen at Sodom and Gomorrah. Do I tell Abraham about it or do I hide it from him? Because Abraham's going to become a great and mighty nation. Everything that comes from him is going to be great and it's going to have my blessings on it and it's going to happen not just because I promised it but Abraham is committed to living for me. And I know no matter what may happen here or there that Abraham will teach those, all his descendants, to follow and keep my ways. As I read that this afternoon, I couldn't help but think of the great confidence that God had in Abraham at that point in his life. And then I thought, does God have that confidence in me? God knew no matter what came in Abraham's life from this point on, that he was going to live for God. That, that he was going to raise his family the, the way it needed to be raised and teach them to follow the ways of God. And, and God said a, of a surety this is going to happen. Does God have that confidence in us? You know, God placed this, this task of rearing children and raising them on, on Abraham. God has placed the task of raising children and impacting the next generation on Abraham all mothers and fathers, on his servants. Parental authority is something that that has been commanded for us to do according to the ways of God. It's not just taking our our kids to church and not just praying with them at dinner time or before they go to sleep. It's teaching them to grow in God, teaching them to, to listen and obey the commands of God and why they should we look in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 it says and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so God God understood God had confidence that Abraham was going to do that and and we need to listen to the commands God's given us but then he told Abraham the bad news about Sodom and Gomorrah and he said I'm going to go down and see how bad this is I know what it is, but I'm going to go see it with my own eyes. And he didn't need to see Sodom physically because he already knew, but he went for the sake of Abraham so he could truly investigate it with his eyes. And I'm thankful tonight that our God is just and fair, isn't he? But this message that God shared with Abraham wasn't an easy one to hear by Abraham, no doubt. Who's there? Abraham's loved one, Lot, his family. Abraham cared very much about them. He didn't want to see them killed. And as he hears this message, it it, it hurts his heart to hear what is going to happen. He trusts God. He knows God is right in his decisions, but at the same time, he didn't want to see them go. As we look at the testimony of Abraham and then we look at the testimony of Sodom and Gomorrah, the only thing that distinguished Abraham between Being in the peace of God and being under the wrath of God was his obedience and faith to the God who chose him. Look in the book of Jude, it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. God has warning after warning in his word about us to not follow the lust of the flesh, to not live according to the sins of this world, but to live for him, live in righteousness. We look in the book of Psalms, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What does the Bible say? Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse after verse in the word of God of warnings. We know what the Bible says about sin, many of us. So what we need to do is with those warnings, listen. And as we listen, abstain from it. And do what God's commanded. In, in his relationship with God and in his interaction with God here in this chapter, Abraham served him and then Abraham simply listened. And I think a problem with, with many Christians is that we don't listen to God as we should. We, listen, we have selective hearing, just as we, we may say our kids have many times or other people or employees may have many times. But if God has said something, we need to listen to it and obey it. Has God been speaking to you about something lately? And if He's speaking, are we listening? He served, he listened. The last thing, he prayed. Look at verse twenty-three. We look actually verse twenty-two, and the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Verse twenty-three, and Abraham drew near and said. Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. With, wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are therein? Abraham began to, to pray to God on their behalf. He says, is there anything we can do to, to protect these certain people that, that want to do right and that are not fo- following the sins, the sins of this world? He prayed to God fervently. We need to be people of prayer. You now, Deal Moody, he once said, I'd rather be able to pray than to be a great preacher. Because Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach but to pray. And As we see Abraham here, he interceded for Lot's family and he didn't like knowing this fate that could suddenly be there on him. And so he drew near to God. Look at verse 23. As those angels left, the two other men, it was just God and Abraham and Abraham drew near. He got as close as he could, and he stood before the Lord, Lord, drawing nigh to him. You know what God has told us when we have fears or concerns in our life? Matthew chapter 28, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. That's what he's told us. God hears the prayers of those that draw nigh to him. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Abraham drew near to God and he wanted that closeness with him. And, and, And in order for us to have that closeness, we need to pray, but we also need to make sure that there is no sin in our life hindering that fellowship with God. We need to be cleansed. The the smallest unconfessed sin will hinder our prayer. I just said it a few minutes ago. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It's a simple truth. We need to listen to that. Don't allow that sin or that iniquity to remain in our heart and mind. Clear it up before God so we can have the prayer life that we desire to have. Look, Look at Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, your sins, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Make sure there is no unconfessed sin in your life. Unconfessed sin in your life it doesn't mean you're not saved anymore, but it does mean your, your fellowship with God is going to be hindered. If, we're, if we have any chance or any, any desire to be the Christian God would have us to be and have victory in our, in our spiritual walk and in the temptations that come and the trials that are going to come, we need to keep short accounts with God so when we pray, he hears us, and there's nothing hindering that. We continue on here in verse 24. He says, peradventure there be be fifty righteous within the city, wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Abraham said, if there's just 50 of them out of this huge city, if there's 50, will you save them? And he said, yes. Then we continue on in verse 28. He started to think, you know what, there's probably not 50. We look in verse 28. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the 50 righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again, and he said, peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. He, he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak, Peradventure, there shall be 30 found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. It's not over. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, Peradventure, there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he kept going all the way down to 10. That's a fervent prayer. And I'm looking at this, I believe God had the right to be annoyed with Abraham on that, on that point. But what we see here is that Abraham, in this prayer to God, did not give up until the prayer was answered. He fought and he fought and he fought, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And here's the other thing. We do not find a single word of rebuke from God for that prayer. As funny as we may find it, as uh, annoying as, as we may, we may think it, it was to read it and, and it seems like a lack of faith as we, as we read it and look at Abraham, we see we may find fault in it but there's not a single word of rebuke from God in this persistence of Abraham. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus instructed us to keep praying when we do not get an answer immediately. Luke chapter 18 verse 1, he, he says that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So if there's something on your heart that you desire God to do for you and you know it's not out of the will of God, pray and pray and pray. And we look at the, the, the world that we live in and the, our world thinks awful highly of itself. And just like Sodom, it is, it is headed to destruction. Those without Christ are going to die and go to hell, the Bible tells us. And, and what we need to do is to pray just like Abraham did for people that he loved, so we can see an unsaved world come to Christ. I, I love the persistence we find in Abraham. Number after number, request after request to God. God, can you spare him for just a few people? And you know, All around us in, in the world that we live in are people that are headed to hell. We, we pray a lot of things, don't we? We, we look at a, maybe the mess around this or, or life if life is difficult or, or health isn't what we want it to. We pray for help in those areas. We pray the prayer that we find in the New Testament. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Lord, Lord come back soon. Lord, don't, but, but we seldom pray, God, save the world. Well, don't come back yet. Save my I have an unsaved relative or friend or neighbor that is that doesn't know you. May God give us a passion for souls, and may we not just pray for selfish things for ourselves, but pray for God to save sinners that need Him. And as as we look at this, we, we end here in chapter 33. God answered his prayer. God said, If there's ten people, I will spare it. You know. We understand this tonight, not just from this chapter, but from other portions of the Bible, that God is holy and God must punish sin. We understand that the, the wages of sin is death. We know that. But God does not want anyone to perish. There is not a soul that is living right now that God desires to go to hell. That's, that's not his desire. This, this was true here with Abraham, and it's, it's true today. Judgment is coming, but God is still giving all that are living right now an opportunity to come to him. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that what all should come to repentance. That's his desire. And Abraham, he prayed this prayer, and he didn't know it at the time, but his prayer was answered. And God spared the righteous that were, that, that were there and destroyed the wicked. And as, as we look at chapter 19, that not too long after that, he looked in the morning and he saw smoke coming from that place. And I believe if he looked, he, he probably saw that and might have been discouraged, but the prayer that he prayed was heard and was successful. Look at look in chapter 19, verse 29 quickly. It says, And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. He heard it and he spared him. And it was because of this very persistent prayer that Abraham prayed to God. I I read today about these early African converts to Christianity and as they found God they were very devoted to praying to him and and having private time with God in prayer and in in reading. And each one in this this village they each had their own little place that they would go to on their own and they would pray that wasn't too far off in the thicket from where their hut was. And they would go out there often and, and pray before God and over time in this village there was a a path going from each home to the to the thicket where they prayed it was well worn it it became dirt and it was obvious which ones were christians in the town and which ones were not and as a result if if one of the believers began to neglect their prayer time and not go to god as as they wanted to it would become apparent to the others and they had this saying in the town they would say brother the grass grows on your path they would encourage them to go back out again and to pray to god on a regular basis. The grass grows on your path. Is grass growing on your path? Are we praying as we should? I want to encourage you, no matter if you see immediate answers or not, no matter if you see God working on your behalf or not, pray, pray, and pray. You know, sometimes our our prayers seem ineffective, don't they? You know, I could imagine Abraham seeing that smoke there in Sodom and Gomorrah the next, the next day. He was a little discouraged in what he saw. And in our life, even when prayers may not seem to have, have been answered or God may not have moved on our behalf, in eternity, and only in eternity, will we know the impact of our ministry of prayer in the lives of other people. So when you don't see answers, don't be discouraged. Pray. You know, Abraham interacted with God by serving, by listening, and by praying. And those are things each and every one of us need to do in our interaction with God as well. As we look at this chapter, we're, we're, we're done here. I have evidence tonight to tell you why you should be more and more motivated to do this. We should serve him. We should listen. We should pray. Why? First of all. Because God is a righteous God. He's fair and he's just. So we need to listen because he's good and also listen because if we don't listen to him, if we don't obey him, we will will have his wrath. The second thing we find, serve God, listen to God, pray to God because he's the promise keeper. There's many people in your life that are going to let you down, but God never will. And what he has promised, he will do the third thing. He is the God of the impossible. What what did he ask there about Sarah? Is anything too hard for God? You know the answer to that? No. There's nothing too hard for him. So in light of those three things, are you serving as you should? Are you listening when God speaks? Are you praying? if If God's put a finger on an area of your life tonight are you going to listen and serve listen and pray as you should every single day of your life let's pray lord we love you